Alright, alright. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Drop Pass Podcast. These next two episodes are probably the ones that most of you NHL junkies have been waiting for because we are going to break down both conferences team by team and look at their situations heading into 2022-2023 campaign just like we did last year. Of course, you're going to see some hot takes in the mix as well, but for the most part, the aim is to break down each team, their offseason moves, and look at their outlook for the new NHL season while predicting the standings, top scorers, and of course, jinx the Stanley Cup odds with my takes. Although last year was pretty successful one, as I predicted the Avs to take home the Cup, that's in the past now and we need to focus on this year, so... I think we should just get the intro music rolling because it's bound to be an episode filled with TNT and you most likely are already screaming at me to get this shit rolling so we are going to do just that without further ado let's get go and just like Bruce Buffer would say it's time! The new NHL season is officially underway and I can't emphasize enough how stoked I am for the beginning of this new NHL campaign. We have so many exciting teams to look out for in addition to lots of new faces in new places and overall intriguing storylines which we will follow this year so I won't hesitate when I say that it's going to be one of the most anticipated NHL seasons in my recent memory. But as I said, the next two episodes are completely reserved for the NHL season, where under the microscope are as well the players as the organizations behind them. And if you've listened to our last year's season previews, you are well educated on what these next few episodes will include. But just to freshen up your memory, we will quickly glance at their previous season and go over their off-season moves before predicting their placement inside the division. After that, it's time to predict their top scorer for the new season, as well as their breakout candidate, and we will finish each team with a small hot take. And if you don't know what that means, go google it and come back before we jump into action. As I mentioned in the intro, these episodes will be action-packed, so at this point I would advise you to take out your notebook, fix a couple of drinks to the side, and enjoy the following hour or so. And unlike last year, this time we are starting from the Eastern Conference and go division by division until all teams are taken care of and we reach a point where the only thing to go through is the winner of this whole circus, but that will be presented in our next episode, so you have to wait until then to find out which team will lead the parade and you can start to place your bets according to your most reliable source. But now the sweet talk is over. And before we jump into our in-depth analysis on each team, we must check our latest headlines from the NHL, as we usually do. On the contract front, the big names from the past two weeks were Jake Allen, Nathan Beaulieu, Colin DeHaan, Daniel Sprong, Mackenzie Weger, Jack Aston Reese, Jimmy Beasy, Anton Strollman, Nick Haig, Michael Stone, Derek Brassard, Derek Stepan, Matthias Samuelson, Travis Sanheim, Jason Robertson, and Sonny Milano. Beliu signed a one-year deal with the Ducks. Dehan inked a one-year deal with the Canes. As the Reese was signed by the Leafs for this year, 
BC made his return to Big Apple with one-year contract after a very successful preseason. Stepan earned a one-year deal with the Canes as well, and Brassard was signed by the Sens, and all the guys mentioned here were signed to contracts after their professional tryouts with their respective teams. Same goes also with Sprong and Stone, but since both guys were already with the Kraken and the Flames last year, they didn't quite fit the same bill as the others, but it needed some attention nevertheless. Jake Allen, on the other hand, was extended by the Habs for another two years with 3.85 AAV. And while Price's future is still in question and Primo is still not ready to step in as their first-string goaltender, it was wise to ink him for a few more years as the team rebuilds its core. The surprise signings of the week were Matthew Berzals and Mattias Samuelsson's extensions. Since the Islanders thus far had had an extremely uneventful offseason, and not many were expecting to see a long-term contract handed to him, and especially Samuelsson after just one full season in the big league. But when it comes to Barzell, seemingly GM Lou was just too busy enjoying his margaritas in Europe, and forgot to check his free agent list during this summer. Everyone knew that Barzell was becoming a new FA next summer, but at least I wasn't expecting him to get his extension this early, when looking at their actions through the past few years. Well, nevertheless, now he's signed for the next 8 years with a pretty team-friendly 9.15 cap hit, so there certainly is belief in the front office for his future, which has been in question through the years thanks to clashes between Barzell and their coaching staff. He certainly is capable of putting up great offensive numbers, and as I've talked about it previously, I believe that his numbers have been suppressed thanks to their team's defensive mindset, so... It's going to be extremely interesting to see if the team changes its approach under their new head coach Lane Lambert and if Barzal is able to catch fire offensively and put up best offensive numbers of his NHL career. Where the additional firepower comes from is a big question. Oliver Wallstrom and Anthony Beauvillier could be the best fits for that description, but we'll see if this is just Barzal's upside as an offensive producer or if now he gets some extra leaves offensively and starts producing like many have anticipated since getting drafted 16th overall by the Isles. Samuelson, on the other hand, will be part of Sabres top 6 for years to come and has flown under the radar thus far, but will become a household name in the NHL in few years, given his rugged defensive playstyle. And now finally the Stars fans are able to breathe easy as their first-line producer Jason Robertson is signed and sealed for the next four years. And same goes with Golden Knights fans who saw Nick Hague getting a three-year 2.294 million extension just before the season. Robertson's signing went as expected even though the press tried to push some drama into the equation, but... 7.75 for the next 4 years isn't an overpayment for a guy that has racked up 125 points in 128 NHL games. I think both camps found a common ground with this deal since their front office wasn't willing to ink him to a 7 or 8 year deal, while Robertson's camp thought that the player was eligible for a major pay raise so, at least in my opinion, the Stars had a successful offseason when it came to their RFAs, at least. Next up though, they have Ropa Hints on the chopping block, so they still need to perform some cap gymnastics, so we could see one or two moves during the season if they aim to ink him to a deal before he becomes an RFA. Very deserved deal, but 
I wouldn't have hesitated to sign him to a long-term contract given his stats and future with the organization. And Haig's signing was also a no-brainer, even though I ruffled some feathers with my trade take, but all in all, when there's will, there's a way. And this applies to both of these guys and their respective organizations. Milano earned a one-year minimum wage deal just a few moments ago with the Capitals, and Anton Stroman was signed by the Bruins to a one-year one-million sheet to bring in additional veteran leadership and depth to their blue line which was hit by injuries prior to the season. And the last two notable deals that I want to go over are Mackenzie Wiegers and Travis Sanheim's 8-year extensions with the Flames and the Flyers with annual cap hits of 6.25. The core is now officially intact in Calgary, including their head coach Daryl Sutter, who was also into a 2-year extension, and it's now time to start just focusing on winning. They fully committed to their new core and have major expectations for the upcoming season. Meanwhile, the turnover they face this offseason will without questions cause some adjustments. But sooner the new core starts to feel the same rhythm, the sooner we can start to talk about a possible Stanley Cup contender. At least I'm expecting a small adjustment period for the team and until we see constant results out of Alberta, I won't be expecting the Lord Stanley to arrive in Calgary. But it was very deserved race on Uyghur's part and in my papers the Flames have now one of the strongest decors in the league for the next few upcoming years so now it is just a question of how soon and well these guys find the chemistry and are able to put out constant numbers on the board. Sanheim on the other hand has become one of the rocks on the Flyers back end and this was a necessary signing for the organization whose future is in doubt given their current roster situation. Although he hasn't posted as big numbers as Uyghur offensively, he's been one of the more reliable blue liners on their back end, and in my mind was exactly the guy who needed to be locked in from this shaky blue line. He's a very good puck-moving defenseman with solid defensive game, and many fans around the league don't really get to appreciate his game as much strictly because the Flyers haven't been that enticing to watch in the first place. But both guys are very deserving of their deals and will be big parts on each team's blue lines for years to come. On the trade front, we saw two deals that went through this week as first the Vancouver Canucks traded their bottom six option Jason Dickinson to Chicago alongside their 2024 second rounder for a left-handed defenseman Riley Stillman. Most likely, the Canucks didn't see him fitting into their bottom six after their offseason additions and were just willing to trade away this defensive engine for some additional depth for their blue line, plus some cap space, which they pretty much don't have currently. I get that they shed some additional cap with this move, but when looking at these numbers, you can see that he was one of their best defensive forwards last season and was just signed to a three-year contract by them. While Stillman to me doesn't bring that much value on the table and overall the price for him was just bit much when you add the second rounder into the equation as well. They have a bunch of guys who are fighting for ice time in their bottom six and few prospects are also pushing for those spots, so someone was going to be out before the season started and in this case it ended up being Dickinson. Mihaev will replace him on their lineup and we'll see which players end up sticking with them once the puck drops. The second trade of the week included two unproven prospects as the Oils and the Blues exchanged depth options, Klim Kostin and Dmitry Samorukov. This was a basic one-for-one -one trade where the Oils acquired big forward who has yet to make his real impact on the NHL level, 
Meanwhile, the Blues add numbers to their blue line with a defenseman who is still seeking for his opportunity to break into the NHL. Both guys possess NHL upside and Costin here is the more experienced one with 46 NHL games under his belt, but has yet to claim the expectations of a former first round pick. Once again, not a major trade, but one that contained two players that most likely will benefit from a change of scenery. On the waiver front, we saw a lot of action as teams assigned players to their AHL affiliates ahead of the new season, and the biggest names on the waiver list include Mike Riley, Nick Foligno, Fred Leeson, Wayne Simmons, Julian Gauthier, Josh Mahura, Michael Del Sado, Lias Anderson, Alexi Heponiemi, Chris Tierney, Will Butcher, Phil Myers, Martin Kaut, Emil Bemström, Juuso Välimäki, and Connor Ingram. From these names, Brad Leeson was claimed by the Anaheim Ducks, Josh Mahura was headed to Florida, and both Connor Ingram and Juuso Välimäki became parts of the Coyotes organization. Now Välimäki hopefully gets the ice time he deserves within their top six, and it's very interesting to see how these guys will perform in their new environment. Valimaki's acquisition is a double-edged sword to me, in a sense that the Yotes are most likely going to suck ass once again, which hasn't really paid dividends for their upcoming prospects, but on the hindsight, he will get time up top and the opportunity to showcase his skills, which certainly wasn't the case within the Flames organization for some reason. I'm still quite high on Valimaki, and especially if Chikrin ends up leaving Arizona, even more ice time could be given to him, so... I'm eager to see what he's able to do in a new environment because he certainly has all the tools to become a stable top 6 option on the NHL level, but we'll see what the outcome is going to be. On other news, the Buffalo Sabres named Kalak Poso as their new captain, while Rasmus Dahlin and Semgus Kyrgyzins will serve as his assistants during the upcoming campaign. And as the last note before we kick off the season previews, I have to point out that Minnesota Wilds prospect Pavel Novak was announced as cancer-free after battling against it through the offseason. And since we are in the topic, I also gotta shout out Ducks prospect Will Francis who attended their training camp this year after beating leukemia earlier this summer. These are stories that we want to hear, and of course we don't want to see young players in these kinds of situations, but... To hear that they overcome these life-threatening conditions always boosts the morale of everyone around the sport. But now we are finally ready for team breakdowns and as I said we will begin our journey from the Eastern Conference where the Atlantic Division is going to be the first on the chopping block and the first team on the hot seat will be the Big Bad Bruins. They finished 4th in the division last year and grabbed home a wildcard spot for the playoffs but ended up losing their first round battle against the Canes in 7 games. Coaching James was the next on the board for the Bees as they hired Jim Montgomery as their new head coach while the offseason additions included Pavel Saka, AJ Greer and David Krejci. Meanwhile, Josh Brown, Eric Haula, Curtis Lazar and Anton Bleed were the most notable departures. The biggest concern for them though is the injury situation since Brad Marchand, Charlie McAvoy and Matt Grizzlick currently man their injured reserve list while their estimated returns are before Christmas so we'll see how quickly these guys are able to make their comebacks cause the team really needs these three players to their lineup. Otherwise I'm expecting similar outcome for the Bees as last year where they will be amongst the top teams of the conference despite their injury woes. 
But when you look at their top six, fully healthy, Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak, Saka, Krejci, and DeBrusque slash Smith, you see that they are still very dangerous unit, especially their first line. They will again heavily rely on their power play and many have predicted that they are going to be the team to drop out of the playoff contention given their recent drama and major injuries. But if this team catches fire once all major names are back in full action, I bet that they are going to take some scalps. Lindholm brings additional depth to their blue line and Grizzly has become their number one left side option. So I wouldn't say that their defense still is a major question mark and thus wouldn't bang the same drum as many others ahead of the new campaign. But undoubtedly, some questions need to be asked when talking about the Bruins and their heading for this season. Last year, their top scorer was Brad Marchand with 80 points, but given his absence at the start of the season, I believe that David Pasternak will become their top point producer this year. When it comes to breakout candidate, I believe that it's finally Jack Studnikas breakout year. Not necessarily when it comes to huge point total, but him making their lineup at last. But overall, I'm expecting Jeremy Swayman to solidify his spot as their number one goalie option and to have a breakout year stat-wise. Look out for AJ Greer as well, and when it comes to hot take, Pavel Saka, plus 50-point season, simple as that. Last year's point total was 36-70, and 70, so there's still some work to do, but... Not out of the equation by any means if he gets to play top 6 minutes and earns few dots on the power play. That's my take on the Bruins, so let's head to Buffalo to see how bad the situation is in the state of New York. Buffalo's last season ended to the regular season, but still I can't see them in the playoff picture, even though you could already see some progress from them last year. Alex Tuck was a major presence for them last year and the surgeons of Tage Thompson has changed the future outlook but still they have quite raw lineup which needs some time to mature and the aim for them this year is to enable their young players to take the next step. Their offseason additions include Eric Comrie, Ilya Lubushkin and Riley Shahan, while Dustin Tukarski, Colin Miller, Drake Kajula, Mark Pisic, John Hayden, Mark Jankowski and Will Butcher left the organization, so no major additions as we could expect, and the organization at this point is just waiting for their young bucks to continue their growth and make them competitive in the Atlantic Division, as I mentioned. That's been their aim since the last offseason, and players such as Casey Middlestad, Dylan Cousins, Jack Quinn, JJ Paterka, and Owen Power are expected to take their next steps, so expect to see some results already this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if this team grabs some wins at the start of the season, given their past starts and the young lineup they possess. But no playoffs for the Sabres yet. Their top scorer last year was Tate Thompson, and by that surprised most fans with his output. And if he keeps this trend going, he's going to take that ground yet again, while Alex Tuck will without a doubt challenge him for the top spot if he stays healthy, and in my mind could even surpass him this upcoming year. The breakout candidate for them is without a shadow of a doubt Owen Power who introduced himself to the league at the end of last year and I'm expecting a strong rookie season for him right from the get-go. And while he's the most obvious choice, I would also keep my eyes on Jack Quinn and JJ Paterka who will most likely fight for the color as well this year. But the expectations for Power is that he will really establish his presence on the next level and take a top 4 spot right from the start. 
As a hot take, I'll say that Rasmus Dallin keeps his hot streak going and ends the year with plus 65 points. 53 last year, so it would mean that the others would need to participate to the party as well, but I don't see that as impossible as many others and believe that during the next few seasons he will reach that if not already this year, but we'll see. And keep your eyes on Eric Comrie as well. It's going to be a test year for the guy. Next up we have Detroit Red Wings, who were one of the busiest teams of the offseason. Major arrivals, Ville Husso, Andrew Kopp, Olli Matta, Ben Sherratt, Dominic Kubalik, David Perron, Mark Pisic, Robert Haig and their new head coach, Derek Lalonde. While players that left the team include Mark Stoll, Thomas Grice, Mitchell Stevens, Sam Gagne, Carter Rowney, Danny DeKaiser and Olli Juolevi, in addition to their former head coach. Jeff Blashill. So as you can see overall a pretty big turnover has happened in Detroit during this summer and you can clearly see GM Iserman's fingerprints in these moves. I personally loved Cops addition who could be slotted anywhere on the lineup and has been one of the more underrated players in the NHL from the past few seasons. While their new head coach Derek Lalonde will bring his winning pedigree to the team from Tampa Bay. They finished 6th in the division last year and missed the playoffs quite significantly. While they were one of the worst teams in the league special teams wise, so that really needs to change if they aim to compete against the best in the conference. They didn't lose that much this offseason while adding strong pieces to speed up their rebuild. And if they aim to clinch the playoff spot already this year, their players need to stay healthy and if that happens it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they found themselves in the postseason this year. The big questions at this point lay on their back end since their defense and goaltending could end up being their Achilles heel as both Nedeljkovic and Husso has showed that they are capable goaltenders but have yet to really make their cases to be labeled as elite goaltenders in the league. Their blue line doesn't struck much confidence in me overall but if their defense manages to pull themselves together and goaltenders can shut the door, they could cause a lot of headache in the East this year. So overall it will be interesting to see if these netminders and their blue line are the answers for the upcoming season, and if they for example aim to add one more name to their backline thanks to available cap space, cause that would boost their playoff chances that much more, no questions asked. And in my mind the current battle between their goaltenders should only drive both guys onwards and elevate their game to new levels, but we'll see what the case ends up being when the action starts across the ocean. Only player currently missing from their roster is Robbie Fabry, who is slowly making his return to their lineup, and once he's back he will strengthen their top 9 even more. Their top scorer last year was Dylan Larkin with 69 points in 71 games, but if everything goes to plan, I expect Lucas Raymond to take his spot at the top, while Tyler Bertuzzi and Jacob Rana will assist these two guys in the process. I expect Andrew Kopp's point total to increase with added ice time. Former Calder candidate Dominic Kubali could see another surge in his point totals as well, while Moritz Sider should be looking towards the 50-point mark again this year. So if all goes according to plan, the offense shouldn't be the problem in Detroit this year. The breakup players for them in my papers is going to be a tandem this time. The Swedish basketball team aka combo of Söderblom and Edvinsson. Söderblom made their lineup from the training camp and is expected to fit their bottom six right from the start. 
Edvinson, on the other hand, is bound to start this season in the AHL, but could be assigned to their NHL blue line in a moment's notice. And while he may not record similar numbers to Sider up top, I expect him to make his impact on the NHL level this year one way or the other, and create even more talk about the Red Wings prospect pipeline. For Detroit, my hot take is going to be a juicy one. You ready? They are going to make the playoffs this year and finish on the third spot in the division. Yeah, you heard me right. We could see a situation where Sider and Raymond hit the sophomore slump, but I don't expect that to happen and the Wings could find themselves from the playoffs after a few very disappointing years. This team alongside Ottawa is a team that I'm going to keep my eyes on and since they've seen such a huge turnover during the offseason, I'm extremely intrigued to see how this team gels together and more than anything, how their goaltending partnership ends up performing. They might not yet belong to the playoff conversation, but I'm all in with this team, so you can take it or leave it, but I will trust the process. Hashtag Iserplan. Their goal this year is to enable their young bucks to take their next steps and really show what their future is going to look like once all these pieces are gathered and their young core is ready for prime time. Next though, we move down to Florida. And if Detroit impressed with the amount of moves they made, Florida impressed with both the magnitude as well as the amount as the list of departures include names such as Ben Sherratt, Nolachari, Mason Marchman, Claude Giroux, Joe Thornton, Marcus Nutivara, Jonathan Huberdeau, McKinsey Weger, Robert Haig, and their previous head coach, Andrew Brunette. But when you look at the arrivals, you notice that the level drops quite drastically. Colin White, Eric and Mark Stahl, Nick Cousins, Rudolf Spalzers, and Matthew Kajak, in addition to Michael Delsad and Chris Tierney, who they waived already last week. And to me, it was fairly surprising to see Brunette leaving Florida at the end of last postseason, but... I expect this to be a very beneficial move for the organization overall since Maurice is one of the most respected coaches in the league and has the experience and pedigree to make things happen in Florida and seemingly was just fed up with the culture that the Jets had and the one Rick Bonus was now hired to change. But even with that said, I wouldn't want to be pessimistic here but those are major losses on the roster front and when you for example glance at their current top 6 defensive options you have Carlson, newly acquired Mahura, Ekblad, Forsling, Gudas, Montor, Stahl, plus few others. So you might get a sense that the group could be massively improved before talking about a real Stanley Cup contender, at least in my opinion. An even bigger problem here is that currently they don't have that many assets, aka top prospects or high draft picks, to acquire players for this year thanks to their efforts on past year's deadline. Aaron Ekblad has to be on his A-game the whole season and stay healthy, and the one question I have to ask is, if one or two of their top-line producers falls because of injuries, who will be replacing them on their top lines? I mean, Anthony Duclair is currently in the LTIR, which probably causes some issues offensively, and although they brought in Matthew Kachuk to their top six, they lost approximately 100 points in the free agency, which will without a doubt put some kind of dent to their offensive production. 
Of course, if players like Lundell, Pulsers and White can elevate their game and fill in those spots on their lineup, it eases the pain, but to me that's just a major blow for the team as a whole and can't be overlooked just like that. They were top 5 power play team last year, but I believe that their numbers will drop a bit thanks to their offseason moves, and especially Wigar's departure will hurt the team since he was one of the main reasons why they were able to clinch the top spot in the league in Ekblad's absence and even the players inside the organization have acknowledged that, so how well the team performs without his presence on their blue line is a major question that needs an answer. I'm even bold enough to say that the Cats are going to miss Uyghur more than they are Huber though, given his major presence on their blue line, and of course, I'm not underwhelming Huber though's meaning for the team, but as I said, you just have to look at their current blue line and realize that it really could be the case. Goaltending as well is yet again one big question mark on its own since Knight had a pretty good rookie season last year as their backup and is expected to take even bigger role this year. Meanwhile Bobrovsky's level is once again in question after somewhat of a blunder in the playoffs. So big questions shadow this team ahead of the new season so the battle for the playoff spots in the Atlantic is going to be extremely entertaining since many teams inside the division have strengthened which will amp up the battle for the wildcard spots even more. Their best point getter last year was Jonathan Huberto, but now that he has left the Sunshine State, I expect Alexander Barkov to step in and take the top spot on their score sheet. When it comes to their breakout candidate, the top option obviously is their netminder Spencer Knight, who could claim the starting job in Florida if Bob ends up having another underwhelming season. But just to add in some spice, I'm going to call out Rudolf Balsers at this point, who could really increase his numbers this season if he ends up spending time on their top six alongside proven scorers Kitchuk, Reinhardt, Bennett, Barkov, and Verhege. So this time we are going to go with that one. When it comes to hot take, I'm going to say that they missed the playoffs because of subpar defense and major injuries. And I know that not that many people are willing to say that out loud there's still a possibility that that ends up happening because of such a large turnover roster-wise and questions related to their capability defensively. Next on the line we got Montreal Canadiens and I think that you can already guess what the outlook for this team is going to be for the upcoming season. 8th spot in the division is where I see them landing and with that we'll enter the upcoming Conor Bedard lottery as one of the favorites. They finished at the bottom of the division last year and thus ended up drafting the brick house himself, Uri Slavkovsky, who eventually ended up making their opening right roster. It's clearly obvious to any NHL fan that this team is in rebuild mode and the expectations for the upcoming season are quite minimal. The main objective being a high draft pick for the upcoming draft, but other than that, their role for the season will be to cause some headache for the top teams and distribute points for the contending teams. Joel Armia, Mike Matheson, Carey Price and Joel Edmondson are the notable names on the injured reserve list. Off-season arrivals include Yevgeny Dadanov, Kirby Dock, Madison Bowie, Mitchell Stevens, Mike Matheson and Sean Monahan. While the players that left the team this summer are Alex Romanov, Kale Clegg, Jeff Petrie, Ryan Paling, Cedric Paquette and Matthew Perrault. According to most recent headlines related to Carey Price, the situation seems to be a pretty complicated one where 
He most likely would need a risky knee surgery in order to make his comeback to professional hockey. And thus, the expectation at this point is pretty much that he will sit out rest of his contract or retire until his 10.5 million check runs out. At this stage, the Habs are not in desperate need of his services, but as his fan, I would love to see him back in action. But signs tell that the odds are really against that. Overhauled roster, management and coaching staff have already set their sights in the future and the development of their young players is on the far front of this organization for next couple of years. Their best point producer last year was Nick Suzuki and I don't expect that to change this year while Cole Caulfield will without a doubt win the inner scoring title alongside their new captain. And when it comes to breakout star nomination... It has to be said that there is not a lack of possible candidates in Montreal, since three of their top prospects ended up making their opening night roster, and thus could be able to make their impacts on the next level. Yuraslavkovsky, Kaden Gulli, Jordan Harris, Arber Shekash, and Emil Heinemann are the most notable ones, while Kirby Doc still seeks to make his real impact on the NHL ice. But for me, the real breakout candidate is going to be Cole Caulfield himself. And when I say that, I mean a year where he breaks the 40 goal mark. He will need some assistance from his line mates to accomplish that. But I really believe that he can reach that. He's that lethal of a goal scorer. I'm also really intrigued to see Gulli's impact on their back line. So he would be the next guy on the line. And of course, Kirby Duck will break his current point record this year, which should be obvious to anyone who watches the league on a regular basis. And you also gotta love the story behind Arbor Chekas, who just a few years ago decided to skip one year of hockey and worked at a grocery store, but now look at the guy. He's on the opening night roster for the Canadians. So go check out his story as well. As a hot take, I'm going to say that we see a comeback campaign from Sean Monahan, and he returns to his plus 40 point average with the Habs. But those will be my predictions for the Canadians, and even though this will be another tank year for the Habs, expect Martin St. Louis's team to cause a lot of headache and compete for wins against the other bottom feeders. Next on the line, the Ottawa Senators. The Senators alongside Detroit was one of the busier teams of the offseason, and in my eyes due to that improved their position in the Eastern Conference as a whole. Summer acquisitions include... Alex Deprinket, Cam Talbot, Jacob Larson, Tyler Mott, Claude Giroux, Magnus Helberg, and Derek Brassard. While the names that left the team include Colin White, Matt Murray, Michael Delzato, Philip Gustafson, Connor Brown, Adam Godet, Victor Mete, Chris Tierney, and Tyler Ennis. So as you see, they pretty much overhauled their bottom six and added big pieces to their top two lines. And to be honest, I have pretty high hopes for the organization for this year, which might eventually come back to bite me in the ass. But many analysts, on the other hand, think that they will battle for a playoff spot until the very end, but fall short due to their inexperience. But that doesn't shy me away from the thought that they wouldn't find the playoffs since they have serious firepower in their top six, and Talbot should strengthen their goaltending position from the past. The big concern here is that Talbot will most likely miss north of 6 weeks from the start, and with an underwhelming start this team could be swimming upstream right from the start if their defense and goaltending aren't strong enough against the top teams of the league. 
Their defense is somewhat underrated and big expectations are set for Jake Sanderson's debut in the league. While they still have some cap space to add some depth to their blue line. And for example, Jacob Chikrin has been one guy that has been linked to their organization since the trade rumors started. If they are able to add another name to their top four and Talbot keeps his level from Minnesota, I really do expect to see this team in the playoffs already this year. Their top six of Kajak, Norris, Patterson, the Brinkett, Stutzle and Giroux is really potent, while their bottom six is really really underrated on the league-wide level. Especially names Mott, Pinto and Joseph are names that I'm going to look out for this year, and their power play has the potential to be one of the strongest in the league. They finished 7th last year in the Atlantic, but as I said, my expectation is that they will at least grab a wildcard spot from this division. Their top scorer last year was Brady Kachuk with 67 points, but after the acquisition of the Brinket from Chicago, I alongside many others expect him to take that crown with ease, and I don't expect his point totals to decrease drastically, even though he doesn't play alongside Patrick Kane anymore. Many are expecting color level year from Jake Sanderson, and in my mind, they are not wrong by thinking that way, since I also expect him to establish his presence in their top four right from the get-go, but the player that I'm expecting to take a really big step this year is centerman Shane Pinto, who I named as their breakout star already last year. He unfortunately suffered a season-ending injury in December, and thus missed a big chunk of regular season, but has put up great numbers in the preseason and is going to be a real scoring threat for the Sens this year. I'm also eager to see if Matthew Joseph is able to keep his momentum going and make a real impact on their bottom six alongside previously mentioned Pinto. As a hot take, I'm going to say that Tim Stutzlep becomes a real impact player on the NHL level and alongside the Brinket is able to break the 70 point mark. That means that he needs to stay healthy and find chemistry with his line mates, but to me that doesn't seem too impossible if he ends up playing alongside proven goal scorer De Brinket plus the first power play unit. So in conclusion, I'm a big believer in this team this year, even though their blue line scares me, but just for some reason I have an intuition which tells me that this team will surprise many fans who have not paid attention to their offseason moves. After Ottawa, we head back to Sunshine State, where the Bolts are stalking for another Lord Stanley Trophy. And it's gotta be said that even though the turnover on the roster wasn't massive this summer, they lost big pieces in Andre Palat and Ryan McDonough, which will affect their game without questions. Nick Paul, Braden Hagel and Ross Carlton need to elevate their game to fill out Palat's role, and on their blue line, Hayden Fleury and Cal Food need to take next steps in their development to fill out the hole left by McDonough. It will be easier said than done though, but no one should count out the two-time Stanley Cup champion from the Stanley Cup race. Their off-season acquisitions include previously mentioned Fleury, Vladislav Namesnikov, Ian Cole and Philip Myers, while the only notable player that left the team alongside Palat and McDonough was their blue liner Jan Ruda. So overall not a massive turnover, but as I said, major pieces that have been part of their core through their Stanley Cup runs. They have lethal power play and depth on all lines, so I would be more than surprised if this team wouldn't find themselves from the postseason again. 
Nikita Kucherov needs to stay healthy, and the biggest concern I have for them are the injuries, in addition to their crease. Not that Vasilevsky would suddenly start to crumble back there, but more so, they need to find a way to ease his load during the regular season. Brian Elliott had very up-and-down season last year, and now that the competition for available playoff spots has increased from last year, or at least that's how I see it, they have to find ways to win games with their backup in net, so there could be a chance where they seek for additional help in net, but we'll see how high that ends up being on their requirement list. Both Anthony Cirelli and Jack Bogosian will miss some time due to off-season shoulder injuries and could be sidelined until December, which could cause some problems for the team, but on a wide scale, there shouldn't be a lot to worry about regarding their placement inside the division. Last year, Stammer had an outstanding season with another plus 100-point campaign, but if Gooch stays healthy through the regular season, I expect him to take that throne back. And the biggest breakout candidate for them, for me, is Anthony Shirelli, who is still quite unknown name for many fans around the league given his defensive-oriented playstyle. But I expect him to really make a name for himself after he makes his return to their lineup and to significantly increase his point total following a very solid postseason run. Ross Colton could also record career-high numbers this upcoming season, and Callum Food should earn his spot on their top four, so those are also names that you need to write down to your notes. And don't be surprised if you see names Barry Boulay and Gonchalves up top, because those guys will wreak havoc in the AHL, and should earn some ice time in the NHL as well this year. As a hot take, I'm going to say that the Bolts end up making the playoffs, but will be notched right out from the very first round. That to me is currently pretty far-fetched, but three consecutive appearances in the finals will take its toll, so exhaustion could be a major problem for this team, as it seemed to be already during last year's postseason run. And then we arrive to the last representative of the Atlantic Division, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And as usual, the question is, is this finally the year? Some may really believe that, some don't, but let's just break down their off-season moves and see what the outlook for the upcoming season really is. So once again, the Leafs had quite an eventful off-season as they revamped their crease and the bottom six, which seems to be almost a yearly tradition for them at this point. Arrivals included Matt Murray, Ilya Samsonov, Nick Albekubel, Adam Gaudet, Dennis Mulgin, Jordi Ben, Victor Mete, Kalyarn Kroc, and Jack Aston Reese. While departures featured names Peter Mrazek, Jack Campbell, Ilya Lubushkin, Colin Blackwell, Ilya Mikheyev, and Andre Kashe. We all know who are running the ship in Toronto, so there's no need to analyze their expectations for the upcoming season, but what really worries me is their blue paint and I guess that I'm not the only one here. Both goalies have had nothing but underwhelming seasons in recent history and are now expected to carry this team to a Stanley Cup, so I would be more than thankful if someone could please explain to me how that should exactly happen. I know that Murray got better at the back half of the regular season last year and has two Stanley Cups in his back pocket, but those are six years ago, so... 
how much leverage those really hold is the argument that I'm trying to understand here. And alongside their goaltending, the question marks remain on their backline as well, which feature not so fleet-footed defensemen such as Giordano, Hall and Mazin. Can they really carry the load defensively while also opening up their play with easy breakup passes in such a high-paced league? They will win games with their offense, there's no questions about that. At the end of the day, they were the best power play team in the league last year and same is expected this year again. But like we saw last year, they stumbled in the playoffs against a team that plays high-pressure hockey, has a brick wall in net, and is extremely responsible defensively, so how well they would match up against such a team this year is something that they have to figure out. Injury-wise, this team currently is in a decent shape, where the only notable IR players are Timothy Liljegren, Jordi Ben, and recently Matt Murray was added to that list as well, and they have enough depth to battle through injuries which will eventually mount during the regular season. Point-wise, we all know who the top scorer last year was, the 60-goal man himself, and we also know that he's going to take that ground again this year, if nothing drastic happens. My breakout candidate for them will be the previously mentioned Liljegren, who already showed what he's capable of last year, and heated up towards the postseason, so now I'm expecting him to cement his spot in their top four, and make his mark point-wise as well by recording a plus 35-point season. He had 23 last year, and will still miss some time before making his comeback, but even if he reaches 30 points this year, I will be more than glad because the guy has really improved his offensive game and I expect that to continue again this year, while Sandin and Dennis Malkin are the runners-up if they get to play significant minutes for the Leafs this season. The hot take for them is really easy taking into account their playoff success from past two decades. They will make it to the conference finals. Last year I predicted that they would make the finals, but before the playoffs, realized that it wasn't going to happen and ended up predicting them to get beaten by the Bolts in the first round. So this year, we are going to take it down a notch and say that this year, they will get past that grueling first round. At this point, no one really is expecting that to happen. So please, Leafs, surprise us, will you? That's all I'm asking. But I believe that this team will eventually take the first spot in the division when all is said and done thanks to their world-class offense. Standings-wise, this is how I see the Atlantic forming. Toronto takes the division and the home advantage for the playoffs. Tampa finishes second and the Bees round out the top three. As a surprise, I have Ottawa beating Florida for the wildcard spot and Florida will miss the playoffs as the fifth seed. Detroit finishes sixth, Buffalo takes the seventh spot and Montreal gets the best odds from the division to grab home Connor Bedard from the entry draft. I just don't have enough belief in Florida's defensive core and their goaltending being what it is. So it really comes down to them being able to keep their net clean, and in this case, I feel that it will end up becoming their Achilles heel before all is said and done. Pretty heavy blow after a President's Trophy season, but that's just my bold prediction. Now though, it's time to switch our vision to the Metropolitan Division, where the battle for playoff spots will be very similar to the one we will have in the Atlantic. And the breakdowns will start from the team that finished first in the division last year, and are one of the bigger favorites to take home the cup this year, the Carolina Hurricanes. 
The Canes begin their season with their eyes already set for the playoffs. They have made few adjustments to their roster in the offseason and are one of the favorites to make a long postseason run next spring. This summer though, they added Dylan Coughlin, Max Pacioretty, Andre Cache, Brent Burns, Ryan Zingle, Paul Stashny, and Calvin DeHaan to their already stacked roster. Meanwhile, Tony D'Angelo, Brendan Smith, Ian Cole, Steven Lorenz, Max Domi, Vincent Trocek, and Nino Niederreiter were the most notable departures from the club. Last year, their wall came in the second round as they got eliminated from the playoffs by the New York Rangers in seven games and are looking now to change that fate this year. They have youth and experience all over their lineup and good mix of offensive and defensive talent should enable them to fight for the President's Trophy this upcoming season. Injuries though have been one of the aspects that has bothered them and unfortunately that seems to be the case again this year since the offseason addition Max Pacioretty is going to be out at least 6 months from the start and his return could stretch to this year's all-star break while the real question remains in goal where both of their netminders are known for their porcelain type bodies which will break as easily as Leafs fans heart and last year proved that once again. Freddie Anderson needs to stay healthy if they aim to fight for the cup this year, while Antti Ranta has to keep his body intact to step in in the absence of Anderson. Easy as that. Jake Gardner is also one name that is most likely going to be out of their lineup, but since he missed the entire 21-22 season, he doesn't make a massive dent to their blue line. Brent Burns was added to their back end to replace D'Angelo and it will be extremely interesting to see how he succeeds in Carolina after so many years spent in the sunny California. Cause now he gets to a team that is known to produce, so can he keep up with the pace at 37 years of age and put up numbers as well as he has? Or does he become even bigger reliability defensively to a team that has cup aspirations? We wait to see. I'm skeptic about this move because even though he will play alongside one of the best defensive D-men in the league, Jacob Slavin, we've seen what his defensive game can look like in the worst case and if you have that kind of a liability on your first pairing, it isn't going to be easy to fix it even if you would decrease his minutes and rely on him more on power play situations. But if he's able to keep up with the young bucks in the league, this decor could become extremely nasty and be more than a paper tiger on the league-wide level. Offensively, as I said, they are still threatening. Their penalty kill was best in the league last year, and after Sebastian Aho's previous season, I can't expect anything to change. Or in fact, what I'm expecting from him is even more points. One of the more underrated superstars in the league will again appear on top of their scoring table, so... I would hope that he gets closer to the 100-point mark to get more recognition on the league-wide level as well. When it comes to breakout star, I have my eyes set on Seth Jarvis, who already last season notched 40 points in the regular season, but this year I expect him to flirt with the 65-point mark and is the easy choice for this spot. As more underrated picks, I would bet my monies on Jack Drury and Peter Kochetkov, who will start their seasons in the minors but will be depended upon once the injuries start to pile up for the Canes. Keep your eyes on Martin Natchez as well, who was my pick for last year, because he still has the potential to break out, but 
from these names, Jarvis is the guy that I'm going to run with. As a hot take, I will say that Slavin breaks 60 points and is one of the names involved in the Norris speculation. And this is exactly why it is called the hot take. Let's move on to Columbus. The Blue Jackets put their money where their mouth is this summer as they acquired the hottest free agent commodity in Johnny Goodrow with a 7-year sheet. And the question arises, does that mean that they will compete for a playoff spot this year? My answer is simple, not yet, unfortunately. The rebuild is still in the works and their otherwise uneventful offseason is a proof of that as they focus on getting their young guns to step in and making a name for themselves on the next level. Eric Branson was the only other addition to the roster. Meanwhile, Kevin Stenland, Gabriel Galson, Oliver Bjorkstrand and Scott Harrington were names that left the city this summer. In addition, Alexander Texier returned to Europe for this season due to personal reasons and won't be suiting up for the Jackets until the next campaign begins. They finished sixth in the division last year and similar outcome is expected from them for this upcoming campaign. They have nice pieces all over the lineup but the biggest need in my mind for them is the number one center spot which could be filled with either Cole Sillinger or Ken Johnson in the future but currently that is their biggest hole in my eyes. They have skill all over their lineup wherein Skimbo quest manning the blue line while Line and Goudreau is the one to punch up top, that will be a menace for the league for years to come. Mercer Liggins is the wild card in the equation since he has showed his pedigree during the past two seasons, but consistency has been an issue which needs fixing if they aim to fight for a playoff spot in the East. The backup role is for the taking since Corpisalo hasn't been on his best and thus is on the hot seat in Columbus as young Daniel Tarasov is waiting to claim the role, which could happen already this year. And as I mentioned, they have nice pieces which are going to pay dividends in the future, but this year I expect them to be somewhere at the bottom of the division and grab points wherever they can until they enter next year's draft lottery. Their best point getter last year was Jacob Voracek, which already tells you something, but... As you could imagine, Johnny Hockey is expected to claim that top spot with assistance of his new partner in crime, Patrick Laine. My breakout candidate for the Jackets is going to be their Swedish blue liner Adam Boquist, whose career-high 22 points is way too low for my expectations. And thus, I believe that he will finally break the 40-point mark this year with their youngish offense core. He needs to stay healthy in order to do that, but if that is going to be the case, he should be around the 50-point mark within the next few seasons. And remember to pay close attention to their young guns, Sillinger, Johnson, Blankenberg, Marchenko and Fix Volansky, because they will earn some ice time and thus should earn few points in the big league as well. As a hot take, I'm not going to throw my balls on the wall yet and say that they are going to make the playoffs, but let's say that Patelaine will become a 50-goal guy for the first time in his career, even though the outlook ain't that bright given the injury which he sustained in the first game, which will keep him out for at least the next two to three weeks. But still, I'm going to stick with it, because we all know his shot and how talented of a passer Johnny Hockey is, so that's going to be a lethal combo this year, if everything clicks. Believe in the process is a sentence that I believe in, 
and New Jackets fans can expect to see serious results in just two to three years. And then we head to New Jersey, where the expectations are pretty similar to Columbus, even though, in my mind, they are in a better situation to compete for a playoff spot. They as well made few moves this summer, which will certainly help to reach their goals as first. Vitek Vanacek was acquired to bring more certainty to their crease, given Jonathan Bernier's injury, which will keep him out approximately six months. Then they added Brendan Smith and John Marino to their blue line, and the final piece of the puzzle ended up being a two-time Stanley Cup winner, Andre Palat, who will bring his two-way prowess and experience to their relatively young locker room. But those acquisitions didn't come without sacrifices as they saw Janne Kuokkanen, Pavel Saka, Ty Smith, P.K. Subban and Jimmy Vesey leaving the team. But still in my eyes the Devils are in a good position to make themselves competitive in a tough metropolitan division. Their defense is coming together nicely and their number one horse on defense, Dougie Hamilton, is expected to come back to his near elite level, which should bring additional bite in their game. While young stars Jesper Brad, Nico Hischier, Jack Hughes, Yegor Sarangovic, and Dawson Mercer, alongside seasoned veterans Thomas Tatar and Andre Palat, should form an underrated offense, which could cause some havoc in the standings. But the biggest questions still remain on their back end, since, as we know, their defense has been leaky through the past couple of seasons, even with capable players. So, have they made any changes to their defensive structure in order to fix the league is something to look out for this year. Goaltending is as well in question since just a couple of years back, Mackenzie Blackwood was seen as their savior in goal and was one of the names mentioned in Canada's possible Olympic team, but since has battled with injuries which have affected his performances on ice as well. While Vanecek's consistency has been a real issue through his years in DC. So what kind of goaltending are they going to get is a major talking point heading into this season again. But other than that, I believe that they will improve from last year, which saw a lot of parity. And in best case, they could be in playoff picture before the last 15 to 20 games. But only time will tell if this team has what it takes to compete against the seasoned teams of the Metro. Last year, Jesper Brad was their top point producer, but if old Jackie Boy can keep his body intact, he will without questions become their top producer already this year. He flashed his talents last year and just unfortunate injuries prevented him from reaching higher point marks, but this year he will break out of his cage and post well over point per game stats which makes him my breakout star for this team. I'm anticipating a plus 80 point campaign, could even reach 90 points, and that should enable the Devils to fight for the last wildcard spot in the conference. Alex Holtz is another name that you should keep in mind, since now the Swedish goal scorer finally looks ready for the NHL action, and we could see a 20-25 goal campaign from him if he ends up playing top 6 minutes in Jersey. Watch out for Sarangovic, Zetterland and Mercer as well. Those guys will fly under the radar and put up respective numbers even without you knowing. But no playoffs yet for the Devils. The rebuild is well in progress. But the sheer competitiveness of the Metropolitan Division will prevent them from playoff hockey. And we will visit this topic again next year when those guys mentioned earlier are one year older and start to crave for some postseason action. Next we head to New York, where the first team under the microscope is Lula Moriello's Islanders, who had an uneventful offseason when looking back at their last year's collapse. 
It was a major setback for the organization after their back-to-back -back appearances in the conference finals, and it has to be said that their roster was shaken by injuries last year, and an extremely bad start to regular season forced the team out of the playoff picture even after a strong comeback at the back half of the season. This year is going to be very telling for the organization since I had high expectations for this franchise last year, given their past success in the playoffs, but major slide last year made me question their future much, much more. They haven't been the most skilled team ever during my lifetime and they've been known for their solid defensive game, so is that going to change now under their new head coach, Lane Lambert, who played the second fiddle under Barry Trotz's regime? I highly doubt it, but I can always wish for that to happen. Last year they finished the season at the fifth spot and missed the playoffs by almost 20 points, so there's some work to do if they aim to clinch a playoff spot from the highly competitive Eastern Conference. Austin Zarnik was the only player that departed the island, while Alex Romanov and Nikita Shoshnikov were the only names that were added to this Islander squad for the upcoming season. So the question really is, is this team strong enough to climb back to the top of this division and do they possess enough firepower to outscore the other top teams when the goals matter the most? They don't have that much cap space to operate with if they would like to add another scoring threat to their forward group, which should mean that their young guns aka Wallstrom, Bellows, Beauvillier and Dobson would need to elevate their game to the next level and add scoring when it is needed. But thus far that hasn't happened and the expectation for many is that it's not going to happen given that the Isles are not known for their high-flying offense. Their backline will hold if injuries don't occur with the way they did last year. Pulak and Pelek are still world-class defensively and Ilias Rockin is one of the most underrated goaltenders in the league and quite frankly kept the Isles afloat last year which many didn't notice during the regular season. Brock Nelson and Matt Barzal shared the scoring title for them last year, but hopefully this new deal lights the spark under Barzal's ass, and he ends up finishing the season as their top producer, and another plus 80-point campaign would be nice to see, and somehow I have a sense that he's going to bring up his offensive numbers this year as they get ready for another postseason run. Breakout candidate for me is pretty obvious. Noah Dobson will really put his name on the NHL map this year and a career-high plus 60-point season is what I'm expecting from him, thanks to his last year's 51-point campaign. Another name that I'm going to keep my eyes on is Oliver Wallstrom, who has yet to record plus 30-point season, thanks to multiple injuries, so that is going to come this year, and we will see where the actual ceiling ends up being for him point-wise. When it comes to hot take, I'm going to follow the example of many other professionals and say that Sorokin is going to have a Vesna season, which will lead the Isles back to the postseason. They have extremely good combo in net, but I feel like Sorokin will take the starting role in Long Island and just run with it. But as I said, this team needs results this year and expect that their players will answer the call and find themselves from the playoffs after a woeful last season. Then we have the team out of Big Apple, the Rangers, and many have wondered, was last year's success fluke? Or is this team really that good to compete for the Lord Stanley? And my simple answer is yes, they are that good. Even more now that their young bucks will 
break out. So there's a teaser for you. But all jokes aside, I just have a blind belief in this team and what they were able to accomplish already last year with somewhat raw roster. Of course, they had seasoned veterans, Chipanezad, Panarin, Kreider, Truba, Kopp, Kudrow, etc. But their key line of Lafreniere, Hedl and Kakko, in addition to their blue line pivot, Keandre Miller, showed some real promise during the playoffs and I expect that momentum to shift to this season which should mean that they will be even bigger threat for teams in the East. Lafreniere has started to find the back of the net, Kapokakko is growing to Rick Nash-esque frame, while Miller looked like a veteran in the playoffs at times, and we could see him making his real breakthrough this year, if he finds the next level to his offensive game. Last year they finished in the second place in the division, and ended up making their way to the conference finals, but got mauled by the Bolts, which led to them looking at their roster and making changes accordingly in the offseason. The major departures included Alexander Georgiev, Justin Braun, Craig McKegg, Patrick Nemeth, Frank Vetrano, Andrew Kopp, Kevin Rooney, Ryan Strom and Tyler Mott, while Vincent Trocek, Jaroslav Halak, Ryan Carpenter and Jimmy Vesey were brought in to fill in those spots for this season. And I mean... They lost significant pieces from their lineup this summer, but for example, if I had to choose between Strom and Trocek, I would take Vinny Trocek 11 out of 10 times, but to me their biggest loss was actually Andrew Kopp without questions. He's one of the more versatile forwards in the league, and they are going to miss his services this year, but overall, if the young guys end up elevating their games this year, I feel like those departures don't end up costing them as much as many believe. One factor that also needs to be taken into account is their current contract situation since guys like Lafreniere, Hedl, Jones, Miller, Blay and Kravtsov will be our face next summer and I fully believe that GM Drury isn't going to hold on to all of these guys so deadline could be decisive for this team and how they manage their cap situation before the postseason begins. Their top line is top notch, decor is young but extremely capable. Power play is going to be one of the most lethal ones this year again, and you can't forget the Vesna winner says Jerkin who will stand on his head when needed, so those are the points that make me believe in another long postseason run for this team. Gerard Gallant is one of the best coaches in the league and I have full belief in his skills and when it comes to their scoring later for this year, I still believe that Panarin will keep that throne while Zipanejad will post ridiculous numbers as their number one center and Kreider will tap box in from the back door with the way he did just last year. The breakout candidate for me is Alexis Lafreniere who looked mean in the last year's playoffs and I believe that with top 6 minutes he will see his first plus 50 point season in the NHL, if not even more. Kendry Miller will also become a well-known name inside the league this year and if Lafreniere ends up making his breakthrough, expect to see major race in Kapokakos numbers as well, so the outlook for those guys is pretty promising for this season. In addition, write down Jack Jones's name, because he will earn some minutes this year and could even operate on the power play, and look out for Braden Schneider who will challenge for a top 6 spot again this year, and rock guys with this tree trunk-like frame. As a hot take, I'm going all in with this one because, you know, dreams really come true and for the Rangers, it would be the Stanley Cup. 
you get my point. Yeah, that's right. Patrick Kane comes to NYC and takes home his fourth Lord Stanley Trophy. Unfortunately, one of their young superstars heads to Chicago in exchange, but that will be the price for the big one. And remember, this is a hot take, so it is meant to create some waves. Now let's head to Philly, though, which is a city that won't be seeing that trophy anytime soon. John Tortorella in Philadelphia. What a love story. Eager for some storylines? Well, then you better keep your eyes on this franchise because you will be entertained. I can guarantee you that. When it comes to results, though, don't expect too much because this tire fire is about to burn out. Last year, last in the division and pretty much similar finish is expected from them in addition to a major sellout at the deadline. I mean, the unfortunate fact is that this team has tried to evade the rebuild for too long and now the house of cards is about to fall over completely and the casualty of that phenomenon will most likely end up being their GM Doug Fletcher. His time in Philly hasn't gone according to expectations and the harsh truth is that the team has underperformed throughout his stint. Now though, Torch arrives in the city of brotherly love and starts to fix the scene around the team, but that might end up being more painful than many might anticipate. Carter Hart is in a similar situation to John Gibson, where he doesn't get the support he would need in order to elevate his game to the next level. Their high draft picks are going to waste in an environment which doesn't really inspire success, and overall, the team is currently hanging in a loose noose in which they are just trying to fight against the inevitable that they are going to face sooner rather than later. Their core has aged since the glory days and the old guard is seemingly there just to earn their keep and the results relate to that quite well. At least their prospect situation isn't as bad as in San Jose for example and they have something to build around plus the possibility that they land the best odds for Conor Bedard lottery but that is pretty much the situation in Philly in my eyes. Oh yeah, almost forgot their moves because of this outburst, but arrivals included Tony D'Angelo, Nicolas Delorier and his horrific contract. And last but not least, Justin Braun makes his return to Philadelphia. Meanwhile, Oscar Lindblom, Martin Jones, Keith Yandel and Nate Thompson left the franchise this summer. Last place finish in the division is what many have on their papers and I'm one of those people and when it comes to their top scorer, well... It is going to be the one who doesn't get shipped elsewhere at the deadline, so let's just say that it's going to be Cam Atkinson. Breakout candidate will be a more unknown name for many fans, Noah Cates. And while there are promising prospects in the system, I think that he will spend the entire season up top and record decent numbers in a lackluster franchise. Joel Farabee is expected to take his next step, but the outlook for that to happen ain't that promising. But I'm not counting on that possibility, just stating the obvious. Morgan Frost is another good candidate, and I think that he will finally earn his spot on the next level after a few elevator seasons, while Wade Allison, Bobby Brink, and Owen Tippett are also names that I would look out for. As a hot take, I'm going to say that Trotz and D'Angelo won't butt heads this year, and that might actually be one of the juicier takes from this episode, so... I'm going to wait for the first headlines and just enjoy the destruction to unfold. Let's head to Steel City next. 
In Pittsburgh, the band is back in town after short discussions between the leadership and Sid the Kid. And once again, this team is going to contend for the cup with similar pattern to past few seasons. Major doubts will kickstart their season until major injuries occur in the middle of it. Then one of their backbone players takes the team on his back and finally at the end of the regular season, we notice that god damn, the Pens are once again in the playoffs. And at that point, you can pretty much guess what events took place before that realization. But seriously, I've learned not to bet against Sidney Crosby like many others, and that's why I see them as one of the playoff teams from the Metro. Surprise, surprise. Last year they got to the playoffs, but just before the postseason, their starter Tristan Jerry was injured, and Casey Desmith had to jump in to replace him, but during the first game of the series, he was injured as well, and in came the veteran netminder Louis Domingue, who just couldn't hold the door for them, as the Rangers made him look like a fool in the blue paint. As I mentioned during the last season preview, the biggest worry for this franchise are the injuries, and last year that ended up being their downfall, but the fact is that these core members ain't getting any younger, and it was quite honestly surprising to see a full season from Chris Letang, whose career has been riddled with injuries. Of course, Gino also had to take his compulsory leave in November, and that is most likely the case at some point this season again, but other than that, this team is very scary when healthy and have depth on all positions all over their lineup. They added Dustin Tokarski as their third string goaltender, Josh Archibald, Drake Gajula and Ryan Paling were added to bring depth to their forward core, while Jan Ruda, Ty Smith and Jeff Petrie were brought in to solidify their blue line and to bring options when injuries start to pile up. John Marino, Mike Matheson, Evan Rodriguez and Nathan Beaulieu were the biggest names that left the team this summer, but overall, the core stayed intact and in my mind that is what they were hoping for ahead of this new season. And as long as Sid is part of the organization, the front office is obligated to put up a roster that is able to contend and that is exactly why it shouldn't surprise no one that this team will be in a playoff conversation once again. Their first two lines can produce as well as any top six in the league. Their defense is stacked enough for a postseason run, which features a good combination of buck moving and defensive-minded blue liners, although the H is a small concern. Meanwhile, Tristan Jerry has finally proved through the past two seasons that he is one of the elite goaltenders in the league and can be trusted if injuries don't bother him. But that's a big if. Last year Crosby and Gensel shared the top spot on their leaderboard and that will be the combo to compete for the top spot again this year. And if I'm truly honest, the only reason why I won't name Sid is the fact that I'm afraid that some kind of injury will affect his numbers so hopefully I'm not jinxing anything by saying this. And since this team is the oldest in the league, it's hard to find a real breakout candidate. Pierre Oliver Joseph is one name but after it was announced that he was on sale, I pretty much buried that thought, but let's say that Samuel Poulain gets his chance up top and puts up respectable numbers during his stint with the Pens. As a hot take, I'm going to say that they will miss the playoffs completely due to injuries. And I put emphasis on will miss the playoffs. The injury part is just an add-on and I certainly hope that it's not going to be the case, but that's totally possible. And at some point, they will hit the wall, but let's hope that it's not this year, and we get to see this Penguins team in the playoffs once more.
But then we arrive to the last team of this week's episode, the Washington Capitals. And if the injury concern bothers the Penguins, their nemesis, Cap Squad, is going to be facing the same exact demon. Straight from the get-go, Nick Beckstrom out indefinitely and couldn't comment on the possible timetable for his return. And same goes with Carl Hagelin, who underwent hip surgery this week. And finally, Tom Wilson is also in the IR, and his expected return should be around the Christmas break. So tough place to start without questions, and I believe that Beckstrom's injury especially will have its effect on the team that has seen more than a handful of injuries through the past few seasons. Last year, they made the playoffs but got beaten by the Panthers squad in the first round, and already then, the team looked quite beat, so I have real concerns for this team as we head to new season. Like Pence, their core is starting to age, and even though we can expect another 50-goal season from Ovi, it could come without a price, since currently I have this team out of the playoff picture given their tough injuries and questionable goaltending situation. And after saying that, some of you might ask, well, what do you mean questionable? They just added Kemper to their crease who backstopped the Avs to his Stanley Cup. But let me just explain. Just as an example, look at Philip Grubauer and his previous season with the Kraken. Okay, the team sucked ass last year, which certainly affected his numbers, but believe me, Kemper's numbers will drop now that he's no longer playing behind one of the league's best defense cores. He was good, I'm not denying that, but he wasn't anything out of the ordinary because he didn't need to be. His numbers were even underwhelming in the playoffs, but still they were able to take home the trophy, so at least I expect those numbers to drop in DC. Charlie Lindgren could be one of the surprises this year since he has few outstanding seasons in the A and could steal few points for the Cavs this year, but if Kemper suffers from injuries as he has in the past, he ain't going to take them to the playoffs, and if you believe that Zach Bucale will jump to their crease from the minors and do that instead, you go smoke your joint, because that ain't certainly happening, even how badly I would want it to happen. So hopefully I got my point across, and you get where I'm coming from. To replace Beckstrom in their lineup, the Caps acquired Dylan Strom in the offseason, in addition to previously mentioned Lindgren, while also Connor Brown and Hendrik Borgström arrived in Washington to add depth to their lineup, and Eric Gustafsson and Gabriel Carlson were added to do the same thing on their blue line. Vitek Vanecek, Ilya Samsonov, Justin Schultz, Michael Kempney and Johan Larsson were the notable departures, so all in all a small retool happened in DC ahead of this new campaign. Unlike many others, I have my doubts about Dylan Strom because some have even gone as far as joking with the idea that he would replace Nick long-term, but that is just a pipe dream in my opinion, and as I mentioned, I don't believe that their goaltending position became any better than it was a year ago, after signing Kemper to their crease. Maybe a little, but certainly not Holtby-esque numbers are expected. Last year Ovi was their top producer, and if you expect anything other than that this year, you are delusional. Okay, maybe Kuznetsov could challenge him if injuries prevent Ovechkin from playing, but other than that, no chance in my opinion. As their breakout candidate, I'm going to go with the left-handed statue, Alexei Protash, 
who has showcased his skills in the A and flashed his offensive talents in the NHL as well. So if he earns more ice time, we could see a 20 to 25 point campaign out of him. While Connor McMichael and Henrik Slapierre could be the more offensive options from their pipeline. But it's unfortunately getting pretty thin in DC as well. As a hot take, I'm going to say that Ovi doesn't reach 45 goals and the Caps are going to miss the playoffs entirely. Seems unlikely to many, but to me, especially the later option doesn't sound that impossible, but we'll see if Ovi has another 50-goal campaign in his back pocket, even the absence of Beckstrom from their lineup. So to conclude the Metropolitan Division, my standings go as follows. The Canes take the top spot while the Rangers grab home the second spot and a home advantage for the playoffs. The Penguins man the third spot while the Isles make their way back to the postseason as the fourth seed team in the division. Caps miss the playoffs as the fifth seed and Devils take the sixth spot while the last two remaining spots are reserved for Columbus and the worst team of this division will be the Philadelphia Flyers as you could probably expect. The race for the available playoff spots in the East is going to be extremely interesting and we could see surprises within these two divisions as the injuries start to affect the outcomes in the midst of the season. Let me know your thoughts about these two divisions and I would be more than eager to hear which team you see making it to the postseason and which team will be your dark horse for the playoff run. But that is going to be it for today's episode, an action-packed episode as I promised and we still have the Western Conference to uncover so make sure to put all the bells and whistles on standby beforehand so that you don't miss that episode once it is published. Thank you so much for listening, I hope you enjoyed this episode. These season previews take extra long to make as I go through all the major points regarding each team but... On the same time, these are also really fun episodes to make because I get to make the predictions and laugh at them at the end of the season because so much parody is attached to this league and no one can really anticipate the events that happen within the 82 game campaign. Nevertheless, great episodes in the pipeline, so hopefully I'll be seeing you very soon and I wish you nothing else than a fantastic week, you absolute warrior. Come back next week, stay tuned. Stay safe. Until next time. Alright.